farmers will will look to what what their neighbours are doing, see that it's see that it's being used, see that it's added value. G'day and welcome to the Farms Vice Podcast with your host Jack Creswell. Whether you farm it, service it, or just love it, this podcast is for you. We'll bring you the techniques and technologies you can implement into your day straight from the leaders and innovators themselves. Spread the farm's advice so that we can reach more farmers right across Australia. Follow us on all of your socials at Farms Advice and let's get into this episode. Good morning, wherever you are, and you're tuning into the Farmers to Founders series where we dive behind the scenes to see how ag tech solutions are resolving producers' problems on farm. Today is a cracking episode and we'll dive a little bit deeper on the Farms to Founders Tech Farm Initiative with Ben Baghurst, the General Manager of Farmers to Founders. Let's get into this episode. Ben Baghurst from Farmers to Founders, great to have you on the Farms Vice podcast for today's episode. Thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks very much, Jack. Um, very welcoming. Thank you. Beautiful. So before we get started, um, down to agribusiness, as I usually say, Ben, whereabouts are you from and what's your connection to agriculture and how did you land yourself into the role that you are currently today? Yeah, thanks, Jack. My, my background for the last 15 plus years has been uh, with the state government in South Australia in their agricultural department. Um, and that's brought me into contact with all the production systems in South Australia, which relate broadly uh, around the whole country. And most notably for the last four or five years, uh, I initiated a focus within within PERSA around uh, reducing uh, barriers, I guess, to the adoption of, of ag tech because I saw it as a huge opportunity in agriculture. Uh, and that that passion um, you know, has led me to, to want to explore that same opportunity on a national stage. And the opportunity came up to join Farmers to Founders, Dr. Christine Pitt's team. Um, so for the last few months, I, I have come on uh, now in the full-time capacity as general manager, yeah. um, so that I can can keep exploring that uh, you know that that agenda of of getting really good tech in the hands of um, of farmers, Jack. Well, it's an increasingly interesting space to see, and we've actually got a fair few years uh, behind us now. It was not really at the very beginning of where ag tech is, and there's some great solutions plugging the gap into some farmers' problems out there. And there's also been a fair few solutions I've seen that aren't doing so well or it wasn't looking at what the actual problem was for farmers. And maybe they've gone back and reiterated and come back with an even better product that farmers can actually implement. But talk to me, where are we at with ag tech? What's the current state of it um, within Australia? What's the industry looking like? Well, I agree entirely. We're not at the start of the journey anymore, Jack. There's been a lot of uh, excitement, um, at least initially, around ag tech, and, and a lot of companies are out there with a lot of ideas. And I think we're starting to see a little bit of consolidation now. Um, some of those ideas hit the mark and some of them didn't. Um, but even though we're not at the start of the journey, I, I would still describe the ag tech industry in Australia as being... Um, being relatively young, relatively immature. And, and I think that comes with opportunities and challenges. Um, so now I see a, a case where I think there's more clarity for technology providers now in terms of how they need to engage and, and what they need to be bringing to the table with primary producers. 
um, to really hit the mark and take the next step beyond, uh, you know, hype and, and potential to, to realised opportunity on farm. And, and that's what we're putting our shoulder behind at the moment. Plenty of opportunities out there as well. What are the challenges and how are farmers and founders sort of flipping those challenges and creating opportunities out the back and um, sort of levelling playing field and making everything sort of connect the dots? How's that working? No, I appreciate that, Jack. It's a good question. One of the things that we saw as, as potentially a gap was technology companies working in isolation to solve problems. So we've had a real focus recently and are looking to formalise opportunities for technology companies to actually uh, explore business-to-business opportunities with each other. And that adds value to their own business models because it gives them opportunities to to monetize data and have additional um, avenues of access to their products and services throughout um, the the ecosystem. It's not just their own own platform or or their own brand necessarily. Um, So we see that as positive from a business perspective, but it also adds a lot of value to potential end users because they now are starting to get solutions um, that that are broader. It's not necessarily an end-to-end solution for one one of uh, 20 on-farm challenges. They're incorporating with other technology providers so that they're, they're solving you know, large slabs of farming problems and providing insights um, that otherwise it would have been quite a, a, a disparate and disjointed way for primary producers to, uh, to get those, those insights. Um, so it, it's that working together from a business to business perspective that we see as a, as a huge opportunity and a natural evolution of where the ag tech market is now in Australia um, but with with very very tangible flow and benefits to producers, so that's that's one of the trends um, that we're really hoping to accelerate, and we've identified as a as an opportunity for all concerned, Jack. Yeah, there's definitely a few concerning issues out there from producers' perspective, and I'd like to touch on that with looking at producers' perspective, but also those sort of the startups and also the more established um, ag tech solutions out there. What what are the barriers of adoption? We've said like we've come through a couple of years now. Are they still the same barriers of adoption for producers out there? Are we seeing these early adopters sort of influence other producers? What's what's the landscape looking like? I think, uh, Jack, the barriers are are somewhat similar that they have that they have been in the last twelve months. So what what we're seeing is that. Um, not every technology that's being pushed to farmers uh, has a satisfactory ROI, return on investment, to really warrant the initial outlay and, and the effort to integrate it on, on farm. So there's, there's certainly been some scepticism from farmers about the value proposition of some technologies, um, and that 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 is still there. Not every technology hits the mark. And in response to that, you mentioned you know, demonstration and seeing things in action. And that very much is a part of it. We've seen some fantastic effort by uh, research and development corporations, by by state governments to set up uh, really demonstration sites. They're often on publicly owned uh, research centres and farms and the like. And I think that's playing a, a really valuable role. But but I think we now need to uh, to evolve that model. And I, I can talk about this a little further as we as we keep discussing. But 
I think the opportunity now is not to raise broad awareness of the benefits of, of ag tech. I think farmers have, have been exposed to that and, and broadly understand that, which is which is wonderful. But um, you know, I'm, I'm hearing that when it comes to actually how do you how do you use a specific technology in a specific region for a specific on-farm challenge, these demonstration opportunities haven't yet got to that that sort of granular level of of really a, a effectively a workshop to say right what does this look like in practice for you how do you integrate it into your farming operation how do you explore all the interoperability or you know how do you mix it in with your other technologies on farm and make sure that you're really getting the most out of it so the, so the whole of multiple different technologies is the greater than the sum of the parts um and yeah what does that look like in terms of actually using those software uh, packages, those devices. So that's what we're now putting effort into as, as well, Jack. It's that um, next layer of, um, I guess, sort of know-how and, and, and upskilling so that producers and advisors can really get hands-on um, with the solution, not to understand conceptually how it will benefit for, from them, for them, but uh, you know what it looks like in practice. So they can be really confident to, to go and make the right decision, whether it's to invest or, or not to invest in a particular uh, technology option. Do you think communication plays a big part of it in like even on the packaging of what it is or getting rid of what the jargon, um, ag tech founders, they're all over it, but maybe producers are not really knowing they want to connect the dots together. They don't want interoperability um, because they're unsure of what that means or it may even scare them out of the paddock um, and back into the office looking for another solution. Is that something? Yeah, very much so. And the way that we think that is probably best tackled is um, not to work exclusively with, exclusively with the technology providers and the primary producers, but yeah. to really zero in on, on where the farmers are currently getting their advice from. Um, and in many cases, that'll be their, their advisor, their on-farm advisor, their agronomist. Um, we talk to agronomists regularly and, uh, you know, and unfortunately, the majority of them um, are not full bottle on, on every um, suitable technology for, their, for their, their customers, for their clients who they're advising in, in their region. And it's not their fault. It, it's a rapidly evolving space. There's an explosion of, of different companies uh, claiming different uh, different opportunities, tech opportunities, and different benefits. So it's it is uh, an ongoing complex challenge to be across that. Um, but most of them aren't, and so we see a, a huge opportunity to work with the advisor community um, and and just give them support, give them um, the ability to to get that know how on an ongoing basis, to get those those tools. It might be. Um, technology adoption plan templates and processes and frameworks um, and, and the skills and understanding so they know what technologies will work together in this particular farming system, uh, how to do it in practice, how to go about the, the farm planning um, in terms of financial cycles, growing seasons, how to get that technology on farm. So rather than expect the, the tech companies themselves uh, to know all that they that they ultimately ideally would know about how to talk the farmer's language and how to engage in that sort of upskilling piece so that a farmer can can grab their technology and run with it. Um, 
we're thinking that the, the, the effort is better spent working with uh, ag advisors who are already within that farmer's you know, circle of trust and that, that's who they would logically look to for advice. Um, we think they have a, a huge role to play here as, as trusted intermediaries between, you know, between the farmer and the technology solutions. So uh, I, I think that's the, the next missing piece of the puzzle, Jack. Absolutely. And like we could talk just like this whole episode about this piece in and I'll just drop in a few comments. Like we've had a few pieces of ag tech come onto our own farm and we've we've just sort of been left the product without the onboarding process of it. Um, because it's been delivered through third parties, uh, like merchandisers and everything, and because I actually think like they were meant to run us up, but they're just flat chat at the moment or before when we got it delivered. Um, is that a big sort of purpose, big sort of element to it as well, that onboarding process and making sure that once you drop off the equipment, they actually know what they're going to be doing? It is. Part of that is addressed through what I was just talking about with advisors being better able to, to understand what it looks like in practice to deploy and integrate these technologies. Um, but another part of it is that the, the technology companies fully appreciating what's required um, at, at the user end in terms of the time and effort it takes everyone to fully integrate that technology and to make sure that it's doing uh, what ultimately everyone wants it to, that it's adding value uh, and that the support is there to extract that value, uh, replace a part if it, if it goes wrong, um, understand how to... Uh, you know, re rejig the software if it's not uh, if it's not hitting the mark. So there's a there's a big onus on technology companies there. Um, it ties in with that that sort of business to business opportunity and, and awareness that technology companies need to have because they're they're of different um, uh, uh, scales. Um, they have different geographies that they they have staff in. Yep. So. Um, at the moment, it's quite patchy in terms of any one technology where you can get all that you need to as a primary producer to get the most out of it. And, and that is holding um, the, the whole uh, community back, as you've rightly identified. And so, you know, I'm aware that um, different models are being explored. The corporates, for example, you know, the, the nutrients and elders of this world. Uh, is there a role for them to play, Jack, in um, in having their advisory staff uh, be upskilled to the point that they they understand um, all that's needed from that that onboarding, that integration, and that follow up support and maintenance perspective, that they actually play an active role there uh, through a relationship with the, the technology companies. So it's not um, all care and no responsibility; it's care and responsibility. Um, and then that, of course, flows through to the initial conversation about return on investment. So everyone needs to be wide, eyes wide open on day one that, you know, that's perhaps what it looks like and that there will be a cost associated with that. And that's potentially OK, but let's let's be aware of that. Let's be transparent of that. Let's factor that cost into the return on investment assessment. Uh, and if it still all stacks up nicely, wonderful. Then you've got a situation where you know that the value will be delivered, but you know that that uh, it, it's real because the support's there, it's local, it's coming from someone you know and trust who has all the skills and all the resources uh, to tackle that challenge. 
Beautiful. Rolling with the punches quite well there. And onto the other side of the perspective of the startup or the matured technology company within that, how are they dealing with the barriers of adoption? Because ultimately they do need to sell some piece of equipment to keep funding themselves to grow um, their ambitions, but also their accounts. You're absolutely right. Um, there's, you know, there, there are risks on all sides here, Jack. Um, you know, we, we're trying to, um, you know, de-risk it from the perspective of, of adoption. Um, as I've said, around making sure that we've got um, implementation and, and maintenance and support in place so that a farmer gets that value. But at, at the same time, there's the challenges and risks from a technology development point of view, you know, how do you reach a, a sizable customer base to, to get the uh, economies of scale to have a, a viable business? Um, and one of the things that we think is, is, is really important and that we uh, encourage and facilitate is to put the, the farmer very much at the, at the centre of that, that innovation, um, adoption and extension process. So uh, by doing that, we, we're really trying to strengthen the connections between the, the technology provider and the primary producer early on their, their technology development journey so that when they ultimately bring a product to market and uh, are putting it out there into the, into the farming community for use, uh, it's, it's not with a sort of a, a hope and a prayer that it, that it hits the mark. It's with full knowledge that they've worked with primary producers to get that that user feedback so they've got a user-centric design um, it fits into their production systems because ultimately uh, a technology will speak for itself if it if it's really doing what what everyone needs it's going to be adopted uh, farmers will will look to what what their neighbors are doing see that it's see that it's being used seeing that it's added value and they'll they'll adopt it um, but we only get to that point if it's if it's hitting the mark so um, that's why we spend a, a lot of time um, joining tech producers to early adopters in the farming community to give that uh, that trial opportunity, trialing a prototype, um, trialing a minimum viable product, providing feedback and, and having it tailored to their farm, but then having that inform the development of that technology so that when it hits the market more broadly, um, it's it's just right. Um, and then everything else we're talking about uh, around demonstration, advisors being fully in the know about that opportunity and how to talk to their, uh, you know, their, their farmers about it. Um, it, it starts to, it starts to all lift together. Um, so that that's the challenge. It's just bridging the the, the cultural divide, really, that you, you'd probably say between your, your average tech developer and, and that farming community. Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen the examples out there of technology that's been really going gangbusters and farmers are quickly, they've surpassed the early adopters and now they're sort of into the mass markets and even develop, developing and growing globally as well as Australian ag tech. It's pretty exciting to see um, farmer-led ones, but also from technologists or analysts sort of situations. It's great to see um, these products actually helping farmers and leading to success. How important is the adoption for success and sustainability for our farmers in Australia? Yeah, thanks, Jack. I, I think it is really important. Um, 
Or yeah, what? We're, we're seeing challenges from, from climate at the moment. We're seeing big supply chain shocks uh, internationally. It feels like there's a trend towards nationalism almost where countries are, are really doubling down on their own interests and their, their, their own um, supply chains and, and verticals such that um, you know, all, all the talk a decade ago was about global free trade. It, it feels like it's going the other way now. And, and we're in a situation where uh, you, you can't rely on free global trade. Um, we're seeing geopolitical shocks um, hit us when, when we weren't expecting it. Uh, and all that means that traditional supply chains in agriculture are being um, you know, disrupted and, and threatened more regularly. And I think technology is, is really one of the only answers to, to tackle that. It provides, there's an explosion of uh, digital technology, particularly around uh, supply chain, understanding, de-risking um, and, and management. And, and without that, we, we're going to see um, that it's going to be harder and harder just to sustain what we're doing now, um, let alone grow our productivity and profitability. So if, if we're to stay competitive and, and get the step change that I think we're all angling for in, in agriculture, um, innovation and, and technology is going to be at the, the very heart of that. Uh, because every other country is, is competing hard, innovating, um, bringing technology to the table, so it's it's now a requirement, not a not a sort of a, a curious curiosity or a luxury, um, and and that's why you know I'm I'm very happy to make it my my full time uh, activity to to really try and uh, accelerate that that adoption piece um, and also the commercialization of technology into Australian markets. Um, so no, it's it's not a it's not a nice to have. It's a it's a must have in my book, Jack. Absolutely, and it is pretty important as well to be a bit of a leader in the realm of ag tech. And I think that's how it's sort of playing out. I believe for Australia, we're we're going quite well on our ag tech and our solutions of how we actually found these the solutions to the problem and the way that I know our 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 makeup, I suppose, psychological makeup of Australians, we don't actually sell a product until it's actually 100% correct. And I've ages ago looked at investors, um, some file about how American sort of ag tech to Australian ag tech and how Aussies sell their products so much better because we're not so salesy. We're quite humble in what our, what we are. And then that, sells our products a lot easier oh I, I think that's a that's a great point um we have a, a wonderful reputation internationally uh in terms of both uh, the you know the food that we export um but equally the technology that we export that supports its growth um and that is a huge opportunity from a, a tech development point of view australia can can really be a a, a test bed for the development and commercialization of technology. Um, but I, I would not be recommending that your average technology developer sees it as, as the end game. Um, our markets here, our, our primary production systems match those uh, in, in other, other regions, North America and so forth, very, very well. 
you know, we have so so many diverse production systems in Australia that they they match to to so many other parts of the world. We have um, counter seasonality, of course, to the northern hemisphere, which provides opportunities for for um, two way flow of, of innovation, um, so that it can continue you know, from growing season to growing season without needing to uh, to to pause everything in winter. Um, so there, there's enormous opportunity uh, and, and we should very much be seeing export of innovation and the technologies that we, we might develop here for our own, own primary producers uh, across the world. That, that's the end game. That's the way that the Israelis look at it. That's the way the Dutch look at it. Uh, primary production is, um, is not the end game for them. That's just a... Uh, almost an incidental stepping stone to, to what they see as the larger opportunity, which is selling their technology to the world. Yep. It's interesting you say Israeli because they're quite prominent in ag tech, aren't they? And when you sort of, when I thought of it anyway, I didn't think Israel would be one of the countries to be making some good ag tech. No, they're, they're very much leaders, Jack, and it's not by accident, it's by design. They they set out to be, um, one, self-sufficient and extremely efficient, but they understood that the size of their agricultural market is is minute uh, for what they what they need to, uh, to, to grow to feed themselves. And so that wasn't a market for, for technology. Um, to be to be a boost to their economy, and so they they sell it to the world very deliberately um, and, and very very well, and they support innovation in agriculture very well. Uh, they're not afraid to fund companies um, that have failed before because they see that as an, an experience that they'll they'll have learned from. Um, and so they they don't fear failure. They like to fail fast and then move on to something that's successful. And it's in it's in their DNA. Uh, they they try. You know, you, if you're in a taxi in uh, uh, you know Tel Aviv, uh, the taxi drivers telling you about their next uh, you know their next startup idea. Um, it, it's it's what they do. So you know we we really do uh, want to and will benefit from being bringing a little bit of that uh, that that entrepreneurial verve um to australia and and i think we should have exactly the same mindset um the, the proofs in the pudding we might all have to go catch a cab in tel aviv see what it's all about but i think it's interesting the way global sort of play it and what countries are becoming more involved and more keen to get that technology out to the global specs but, but let's bring it back to farmers and founders you mentioned before you want to connect the dots from industry to and that adoption from there to maybe your participants and everything like that. How how are we actually placed to do that? And are these events? How are you rolling that out? Well, we're trying to put a framework in place um, because I, I think we we're at a point in time where a, a concerted a collaborative push where we uh, you know, better understand what the problems are in agriculture and, and we we better build the solutions and we have really obvious opportunities uh, and pathways for adoption will create a, a, a rising tide that lifts all boats. Um, and we want to use technology actually to facilitate all that. Uh, you know, we, we have farming system groups and research and development corporations uh, 
that do a wonderful job of engaging with primary producers and farmers and um, understanding what their problems are on farm. But it's very, uh, it's very hands-on. It's very, very labour-intensive, and and it shouldn't stop. There's no, there's no uh, substitute for that face-to-face engagement. But we want to substitute that with a, I guess, an elegant technology platform um, that is a. I guess you'd call it a, a, a two-way digital marketplace where we can actually capture all the on-farm problems um, in, a, in a database that's searchable by location, by industry, uh, and that's of, of benefit to many. So we, we have this, this live, rich um, pool of data that lets all those that are interested to see exactly who's having the challenges and what those challenges are. And by making that available to, to the research community, to the, the, the policymakers in government, to the research and development corporations that set re- research and development agendas, um, to technology developers themselves, uh, as part of that sort of customer validation piece that we were talking about, Jack, of, you know, if they don't have uh, deep personal connections with primary producers, well, you know, rather than them just not being a part of that technology innovation community in agriculture, how can we give them, you know, that 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 entree and that way to, to get some insight about whether their idea hits the mark in terms of solving an on-farm challenge? Um, that's what we're putting our mind to. There are farmers out there that, of course, you'd know, Jack, the farmers are incredibly innovative by nature and will be doing wonderful things on-farm that, that, that are just... Uh, you know, haven't been done before, well and truly fall under that innovation uh, banner. But the farmer doesn't necessarily want to commercialise it, but but they don't much mind if someone else does, and it might even be through some uh, some kickback to the farmer. Well, how about we have a situation where those farmers can actually uh, connect um, with that entrepreneurial community, with the technologists to say, hey, I've I've rigged up something here that, you know, if, if you want to go and commercialise it, you know, maybe cut me in or, or maybe don't. Maybe I'll just be uh, sleep well at night knowing that, you know, the, the world's benefiting in, in the same way that I have. Yep. All these opportunities, um, they're ad hoc at the moment. Sometimes they come together by who you know or who I know and how we can make connections. But so many of them don't happen because you, know, you just don't know who to talk to. Uh, and and as, a, as a technologist with an idea, it might even be an idea in another industry, it might be from the, the mining industry, the defence industry. Um, so much of this technology does translate into agriculture, but, but you don't really know where to start, perhaps, if you're in the, in the mining sector and, and you don't have that network uh, within primary production systems. But by having a, a searchable, connectable, uh, you know, a digital marketplace where you can say, right, well, you know, I've got something that does X and, and I'm, I'm going to search to see if that's actually uh, a need in agriculture. Uh, and then those early adopters, those, those farmers who are keen to trial a prototype uh, because they have a problem that hasn't currently been met by, by technology, uh, they'll actually be given an opportunity to, to connect with, with those that can solve their problem. You know, it's only a small subset of farmers that fall into that category, but it, it makes it all the more important that they can actually connect with someone who can solve their problem. So these are the gaps that we've identified um, we, we're solving them. And then with that much deeper understanding of what the on-farm challenges are, um, we, we're building a community that, that is um, em- empowered to solve those, those 
those challenges. So where there's not a, an innovation um, that's ready to go off the shelf to solve a particular problem, uh, we, we work with stakeholders uh, to develop companies and to encourage ideas and to highlight, this is the gap. Let's have a hackathon. Let's start from scratch if we need to. These are the ideas. And then there's a venture creation pathway um, that, that we take people on if they, if they have the passion um, to develop that idea all the way to the point that they're you know, scaling it you know, at mass internationally in that, that export technology export scenario that we talked about a little earlier. I love that. And also I could nearly guarantee every farm out there has rigged up something that's helped out their daily routine or something. But, and I think that's a really good point that not all farmers are going to want to take this idea to commercial realities and connecting the dots to the entrepreneurial sort of technologists out there may be a key element to that. But also for 2023 for the podcast, it's nearly like I've framed our theme to be frameworks and processes from what we're doing on our own farm, but also what I want farmers to achieve through listening to this podcast to make 23 to create those processes and everything. And that sort of comes out within these episodes. And I love the way that your framework works with both industry, but also the participants in terms of the ag tech or the entrepreneurs looking for these cool ideas that can plug a hole or help a problem out on farm. Um, one thing I wanted to know was actually how you help with it, these adoption challenges within your early ventures um, and how they're helping your participants and what sort of outcomes are they seeing from having an adoption sort of barrier? What are those looking like? Yeah, no, th thanks very much, um, Jack. As I mentioned earlier, we, we're trying to say, uh, we, we're trying to be aware of all the, the demonstration opportunities that are out there and, and build on those now to, to accelerate adoption because we, we think it can be scaled beyond these uh, government research uh, and demonstration sites that are that are increasing that play a, a really important role, but they're they're insufficient in and under themselves. So, how do we create a model where we're getting um, that broader adoption on on commercial farms, um, but in an environment where where we can sort of extend that that outcome and that opportunity to to neighbours, farming systems groups in the area. Um, so that everyone can can see what it looks like and and really touch and feel it in a farming system that that they really relate to and they say yep that that's exactly the same as mine, and so that that's what we're doing. We, we've put in place a facilitated adoption model um, that that we want to scale where we're trying to de-risk it just a little bit for everyone. So we're asking. Um, the primary producers to kick in, you know, some but not not all of the cost of implementing a technology. We're asking a technology company to discount uh, their technology going onto that farm within within uh, this framework. And we have other partners who have an interest in the outcome. It might be, um, uh, you know, for example, it might be the wine sector. So it might be Wine Australia, and and they might say, well, we we really want to help our growers in this region to solve this problem. So so we're actually going to contribute uh, as well. And so we we set up a network um, of private demonstrations that are explicitly solving uh, you know a, a business problem uh, in this instance in this example a viticulture uh, growing problem um, for a, in, in a vineyard 
And then we say, right, this is now the, this is the training um, sandpit for the agricultural advisors that I, I was saying that I think there's a huge opportunity to, to, to lift their, their knowledge and understanding. So this is now their, their schoolyard and we work with them and we develop the, the upskilling um, uh, tools so that they can then use the technology adoption frameworks, the, the digital literacy, uh, upskilling uh, programs and so forth that we're developing um, to take that opportunity that they've seen in great detail on a commercial farm and then just talk to all their customers uh, about that. And so that we have a sort of a national wide network of commercial farms where there's a, a thorough understanding of what um, a suite of technologies looks like in practice in terms of uh, how they're integrated, what's been the net effect from getting a baseline situation on the farm to following the, the impact on productivity and profitability from using uh, a suite of complementary technologies. Uh, case studies are then available, uh, demonstration opportunities are facilitated so that um, no farmer is, is left wondering what are the appropriate technologies for their production challenges because literally just down the road, um, there's been a facilitated example. Um, the advisors within their circle of trust uh, are fully in the know and um, they've had opportunities to engage with these, these you know, upskilling and, and know-how building opportunities. So... Basically, we, we're just trying to scale the opportunity for, for everyone concerned um, to, to have the light shone on the opportunity and, and really be able to decide, right, I, I know now what to invest in and why and how. Yeah. I think we have come a long way within this adoption piece of ag tech because if you speak to like my mates or something, a few years ago, you wouldn't expect them to have a that much ag tech introduce or even looking at it now, but they're, they're coming up telling me, I, I got this, what did you think? Or have you talked to him or something like that? So I think it's really come a long way. I think it's interesting. The podcast has been running for three years now. And from the beginning of starting it out, we are all sort of learning our way and how quick these last couple of years have actually been. And maybe COVID sped that up for a lot of farmers. They've got used to Zoom. Surely they can get used to a bit of ag tech out in the paddock as well. Um, it's cool to see as a farmer, but also as running the podcast, just to see how farmers are improving themselves step by step. But to touch on the adoption side of it, but we'll also we'll talk about your tech farm, the farmers founders tech farm model and what is it? Talk to me about it for farmers out there or even entrepreneurial led people. What is tech farm? So Tech Farm is the, the framework uh, and, and the name that we uh, put behind those, those elements that I've talked about. So Tech Farm involves uh, a, a deeper understanding of on-farm problems. It includes building um, solutions where, where there isn't one. Yep. Um, and then it includes accelerating and facilitating the adoption of, of existing and emerging solutions to the problems. And we do that in an, in an integrated way where um, it's, it's clear within a, within a particular region what the challenges are, and we use what we're uh, describing as the muster platform for that. So this is a, this is a database where uh, primary producers can enter their, their challenges and their problems. 
Um, and in response to those, those entries, they can actually see uh, and have a line of sight to, to what the best solutions are. Um, and also those uh, other capabilities uh, in terms of linking with an advisor in their area who, who's a really good intermediary, uh, who can bridge the gap between all the various technology options that might be relevant and, and what is going to work really well on that farm uh, and, and so forth. So it's, it's all about a, a deeper understanding of the problem, connecting to the advisor who can help that farmer to solve the problem, uh, making sure there's a clear line of sight to existing and emerging solutions for that advisor to be able to engage and, and provide um, absolutely cutting edge information um, on the, you know, right down to the nitty gritty of, of how these technologies, which ones will work together, which ones won't, um, what's, what's the order of deployments to maximize value for the farmer. Um, and then that, that adoption piece to, to sort of scale that, that's where we, uh, for those that um, work with us in this framework, um, those adoption case studies uh, literally become case studies. So we will, we will do, um, do some return on investment uh, analysis and calculation to confirm that it, it delivers the value that we, we thought it would. And, and if it doesn't, then that's part of the, part of the reason there is to, to go back to, to producers and, and highlight a risk if one's emerging, to go back to the technology provider and say, uh, we, we, there's a problem here. Um, you, you're not hitting the mark. And so if, if you're going to remain and, and grow in this community, um, you know, let's let's work together, but it but it needs it needs a shift um, in the technology or in the way that it's being used on farm, um, and then have a full line of visibility for producers to be able to come and see what what this looks like in in practice um, on commercial farms um, very close to them. So that's that's Tech Farm. Um, the partners uh, are the farmers, of course, are the advisors, uh, the technology companies. The research and development corporations who are so keen to see uh, technology help their their levy payers, um, and, and governments, of course, who have such a vested interest in, in a, a vibrant agriculture sector in Australia. Um, so we we have these we have these partners um, uh, signed up and increasingly signing up every day, Jack. And uh, uh, you know it's very much a watch this space. We, we're starting to roll it out with uh, very exciting early results. Amazing to see. And also looking into the problem first approach, which has also been a theme right the way through this episode. And to drop Matt Anderson's uh, talk at Evoke Ag, he was rather than coming up with a solution, having the problem first, how is that sort of identified within the tech farm, Farmers Fairness Tech Farm program? And how can you identify these problems before the solution? Yeah, that's a great question. So in practice, um, we're putting, uh, I guess, a, a, a digital um, information capture tool in the hands of, of advisors um, or, and farmers. So we're encouraging, um, be it government extension and adoption offices and agricultural advisors and agronomists um, when they're working with their, their farming communities uh, on a particular farm to actually uh, enter a problem statement when, when they're seeing one, when they're exploring those on-farm challenges, 
to enter it digitally online, uh, to geolocate it. Uh, it. It doesn't identify for, for others who are, who are looking exactly where the farm is and, and who the farmer is. So it's completely anonymous from that perspective. But it starts to give us a, a really rich idea of what themes uh, are coming out in terms of the, the problems in different sectors and different regions. So um, it's it's through farmers and advisors, Jack, that we're capturing this this rich, um, you know, permanent record uh, living living database of problems, which we think is just a, uh, I guess, an evolution um, of more traditional engagement activities that. Yep. governments and, and advisors do with with farmers and that farming systems groups do with with farmers so we're we're trying to bring technology um to to solve and accelerate the the, the technology opportunity on farm great stuff and for the people listening i don't call them listeners they're nearly like my early adopters because they're looking for new information how they can upskill or improve their daily routine but how for those that don't feel like there's much support out there, how can they become a part of the tech farm um, to build their skills and capability to reach these goals and ultimately see success and a sustainable approach to their farming and the wealth generation? How does that work? Oh, you're asking the pointy questions, Jack. I, I like that. I, I think um, I think in practice. One good option is to is to go to the the Farmers to Founders website and um, sign up um, to be to be kept informed to our to our newsletter because that's going to highlight um, the the tech farm opportunity as it as it evolves in, in over the next few months and show people how to get involved how to actually engage and interact and, and be a part of that framework so. My recommendation is go to, and if you just type in farmers to founders online, just farmers, the number two founders, um, you, you won't miss us. We're, we're very easy to find. Um, jump onto the website, sign up to the newsletter, um, and that will keep everyone fully in the loop um, with, with all those opportunities. Absolutely. And before you go, Ben, what would be your one piece of farm's advice that you'd like someone to go away from this episode after listening. Yeah, look, thanks very much, Jack. Um, look, I, I would just ask people to, um, and it's not so much advice, uh, I'm going to frame this as a request, um, you know, to, to engage with us on this journey and to, you know, spend three minutes when when the, the opportunity presents to share um, an on-farm challenge, um, you know, with, with this community, with this framework, because by doing that, uh, it, it's going to open up the door, um, you know, for so many people to, to come and assist and, and, and solve and get behind some solutions. Researchers, governments, RDCs, grower groups, uh, existing technology providers, you know, entrepreneurs. Um, so, you know, let's shine the light on on what they need to be solving and give them a, a real line of sight. And uh, you know that that comes back to people being, you know, um, open to to share their their challenges. Uh, of course, in a de-identified way in terms of location and, and person. But that's um, you know that's the challenge that I'm going to throw out there to to farmers and advisors. Um, and on the back of that, I think collectively we can make some really good things happen. 
Absolutely. And it's great to see how far it's sort of come in the last few years and pretty exciting to see. What are you most excited about next five years coming up? I'm excited to see how these technologies start to, to uh, work together. You know, we, we're seeing a lot of good technology out there, Jack. You, you've, you've highlighted that and I, I really agree. Um, but we're going to see technology companies working together more and more to form uh, you know, larger, more holistic um, on-farm solutions um, to, to various decision-making uh, challenges and pain points. And I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see what it looks like. Um, you know, with the the, the explosion of, of of AI, the the use of satellite imagery, um, linking in with proximal, you know, in, in the field sensors and and weather data, uh, combined with analytics of past farm performance. You know, we we're going to see powerful farm management solutions developing that that are, are going to be somewhat mind-blowing we're starting to see it now um i'm looking forward to that jack absolutely I, i'm pretty pumped up to see the results and the outcomes that we'll get in the next couple of years as well like after those three-year trends of actually owning the piece of ag tech to see what you can do with it and how far you can sort of push your margins to improve your profit but also being a bit more sustainable utilizing probably less labor at the time because of the labor shortages sort of all works together, doesn't it? Oh, look, it, it really does. Um, and if, if we, yeah, I, I, I need to see that because everything we do is, is to try and make sure that when technology is deployed, uh, it's actually providing a valuable uh, outcome. So I really want to be able to track that and, and look back in three years time, as you're saying, and, and see that the vast majority of, of what we're doing, the vast majority um, has been really beneficial to, to the bottom line. Um, so no, I'm, I'm excited by that. And that's, um, you know, that, that's the, the laser focus that, that we, that we always have, Jack. Amazing. Well, Ben, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your own piece of farms advice and for the listeners, the early adopters out there, keep an eye out for the, the rest of this Farmers and Founders series to take place um, on the podcast. Thank you very much. Jack, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I really welcome the opportunity to talk to you and your listeners. Beautiful. Where can we go to find you quickly just to loop that back in for the tech? Uh, absolutely. Um, you'll, you'll find me through the Farmers to Founders website uh, and the rest of the rest of our team. Um, so uh, LinkedIn as well. Uh, no, I'd welcome anyone and everyone who who's interested in this topic to, to drop me a line. Um, I, I'm very enthusiastic about making some progress here, Jack. Beautiful. Thanks, Ben. This Farms Advice episode does not stop here. Come and join the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok, and even join our Facebook group. Go to farmsadvice.com.au for more on this episode and spread the hashtag Farms Advice to your mates. If you can leave a review on Apple or Spotify, that will let other farmers find us too. But until then, see you next Tuesday.